Today, I just want to remind you of some things that went on last Sunday. We talked about improving your serve from Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. And uh, we talked about a number of things. One was that we need to ponder our purpose. If we want to if we want to improve our serve, we need to ponder our purposes. Why are we doing what we do? Why do you do what you do? And uh, Jesus spoke about the cross, as Warren Worsby said. Jesus spoke about a cross, but they were interested in a crown. They were focused on what they could get out of things instead of actually focusing on what was going to be happening and uh, the sacrifice that needed to be made. And so what do we want when we serve? What do we want? Why are we doing it? Some questions we need to ask ourselves in that. And then a second area that we looked at as far as improving our serve is to prepare for problems. It's going to happen. Problems are going to come your way. And if we are serious about following Jesus and serving Him wholeheartedly, we will face difficulties. It's going to happen. And then uh, a third thing we looked at as far as improving our serve is promote others primarily. Look to others' needs. What do they need instead of our own needs? Um, and, and, you know, if, if there's tension and strife going on, we need to come to Jesus together and refocus. As Jesus brought them in uh, after a, a little situation going on, he said, let me tell you some things. And he refocused them, got them back on, on mission. His kingdom runs differently than the world. And so if you want to be great, then you got to give up your personal rights and serve others. And I think that's something right there that we need to keep in mind as we move forward these days, as different things are being lifted, the restrictions and stuff like that, that we have allowance for others. And we look how we can meet the needs of others instead of our own. Uh, we know what we want, but what is it that other people want? What is it that they wish to have? And uh, a phrase that I uh, often cling on, cling, cling to this, this year is to uh, look to, to, uh, look to uh, understand rather than to be understood. So how can I understand where you're at, why you're in this situation, what it is that you're thinking through in this situation, rather than letting you know and helping you, you know what I know about this and help you understand me, I need to understand where you're at. If we seek that first, I think we will be able to navigate these days uh, pretty well. And then a fourth thing we looked at as far as last Sunday, as far as improving your serve, was to pick up the perfect pattern of Jesus. Look to Him. He set the example what this looks like as far as serving. Because He didn't come to be served, but to serve and give His life for many. And we as well need to look as how, at how we can sacrifice for other people. Our time, our efforts, our, our finances, whatever it is, our talents. Being able to help other people and serve other people. So serve whenever you can, wherever you can, for whoever is in need with the willingness to do whatever it takes. And again, example this morning as Becky and John stepped up and said, okay, I'll do it. What are the songs? <laughs> and so we were able to go through that. But to serve others, how do you improve your serve? Those are some ways you can do that. And then in Mark chapter 11, uh, we look at when Jesus clears, we're going to look at where Jesus clears the temple and he kills a fig tree and then he talks a little bit about prayer. It's in verses 11 through 25. And we're going to look at this entitled Trees and Tables and a Warning for Us All. I think we can heed this warning uh, this morning. It'll be very good that we do. You ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Ever witness someone else doing that? Maybe you looked at the person next to you and you went, yeah, I don't know. 
Well, they have this look about them, right? It might kind of look like uh, these guys behind me. <laughs> the look of like, don't even talk to me. Maybe you like that before you have your cup of coffee. <laughs> don't even talk to me. Yeah, I, I saw some good examples of that from the Frentress guys, so I thought I'd put that up there too. But um, that look, you just see it in their eyes. They've woken up on the wrong side of the bed. Don't touch them. Don't even get near them. Well, looking at Mark chapter 11, um, some struggle with this picture of Jesus because he seems pretty angry and harsh. That poor fig tree and, and, and man, how those tables flew in the air at that temple. That he went through and he took care of those things. Let me ask you this, though. Do you see Jesus as gentle or a judge? Gentle or as judge? Maybe it was a simple show of hands. How many of you see Jesus as gentle? How many of you see Jesus as judge? And how many of you see Jesus as both? <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a third option. Sorry. <laughs> yes, he can be gentle, definitely. Yes, he is judge, um, but there is that both in that situation. We're prone, we're, we're prone to pick one and maybe ignore the other if we're looking at it at first. Oh, yeah, he's gentle. That's my Jesus. Or, yeah, he's judge. Let's get this place cleared out. People need to understand who, who he is and what sin is and, and all that. We, though, need to re be reminded that he is both. He's both of those. Jesus is both truth and grace. He is both Lord and Savior. He is both holy as well as humble. He's both powerful and patient, fearsome and friend. He's awesome as well as approachable. He's sovereign and sympathizer. He's the lion and the lamb. He's judge and gentle. We need the complete picture of Jesus, not just the, the comfortable characteristics that, that we prefer. In our preference for promoting only the characteristics of Jesus that we like, we have basically marginalized his majesty. We need the complete view of Jesus. And some of us avoid those passages where he seems untamable or unpredictable, especially when his words make us, make us maybe cringe a little bit and his actions make us a little uncomfortable. But we're going to see today that Jesus not only tips over tables in the temple, he also curses a fruitless fig tree. Both of these incidences teach us about the judgment of Jesus on the nation of Israel, but also serve as a word of warning to all of us. Jesus is servant, He is Savior, and He is also sovereign as well. So our text comes after the events of Palm Sunday, when Jesus enters Jerusalem in, in, in a triumphant way. And then right after that, then if you look at Mark chapter 11, verse 11, says, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now the phrase there, looked around, means that he examined everything closely. 
You know, back in John chapter 2, if you look at the Gospels there, in John chapter 2, earlier in Jesus' ministry, he had already driven out the merchants and money changers from the temple with a whip. This was not the first time that he's going to be about to do this. Uh, and I would imagine that what he saw in verse 11 here that we just read was the same situation we read later in this chapter, the money changers, the merchants, right back where they were. You can just picture it. Jesus comes in and takes a look around, sees the temple. Okay, nothing's changed. Eh, I'll deal with them tomorrow. And <laughs> so headed on out of, out of town. Then that night, though, he left Jerusalem and went to the neighboring suburb of Bethany, where he and his disciples spent the night with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And I'm sure they had a lot of fun things to talk about. But according to John chapter 11, verse 18, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem not very far away. And so it was a good, good walk for him, though. When you look at verses 12 and 14, 12 through 14, actually, we uh, find this account. Then the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Verse 13, seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his, and his disciples heard him say it. So did you catch that one little thing there? It's kind of interesting. It pops out to me that Jesus was hungry. You ever think about that? Jesus was hungry? But remember, not only is he God, but he is also man. And he takes on all those things of man as well, too. He experienced thirst, he experienced weariness, he experienced pain, rejection, as well as loneliness. And while figs are not all that popular here, they were and still are a preferred fruit in the Middle East. Myself, I, I know of fig newtons. <laughs> I like the cookie. I never really have had a fig myself, but I've, uh, I've, I've seen them. I think I've smelled them as I've driven through California and smelled some figs through there as well, but it's it's a, a, a fruit that I, I've heard that's pretty sweet tasting. But uh, there are a few things to know about fig trees. I had to look these up. A few things to know about them. Fig trees grow to a height of 10 to 20 feet and have very large leaves. So this, this fig tree that Jesus saw, if you picture it in your mind, you're thinking, oh, maybe a little tiny thing. Hey, it was pretty big. Saw it off in the distance all these leaves on it, thinking that there might be some fruit there. Just think about it. Adam and Eve covered up themselves with these leaves. It's got to be pretty big. Figs are sweet to the taste as well. That's another thing that uh, you would need to know about these figs. And also the phrase to sit under one's own fig tree was a saying of peace and prosperity. And fig trees are the most fruitful of all trees, they produ uh, producing fruit as many as three times a year. Figs were often used as first fruits brought to the temple. And fig trees, uh, excuse me, fig fruit comes before leaves appear so that a fig tree in leaf would be expected to have some fruit. So, okay, that's why Jesus was expecting something there. A fig tree in full leaf in April would have been covered with little nodules that were satisfying to eat. 
And since this tree had no early fruit, it was a sign that there would be no sweet fruit when the time for harvest arrived. And then if there were leaves but no fruit, it would mean that disease was spreading and death was on the way. So in verse 14, Jesus pronounces a curse on this tree. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. Just as the fig tree had the promise of fruit but was only filled with leaves, God's people had the outward show but had no fruit. Israel, Israel looked alive but was actually dead. And because they had failed to be fruitful, Jesus judged them. And some have said that Jesus was angry because he was hungry. Well, I don't know about the hangry effect on this. Actually, he was angry, I believe, because he is holy. And because Jesus is holy, he will judge the fruitless who have every opportunity to bear fruit. By the way, apart from the drowning of the demon-possessed pigs, if you recall that little story there in, in Scripture, this is the only miracle of destruction that we see in the Gospels, where he kills the fig tree. And after cursing the, the fruitless fig tree, Jesus wasted no time getting to Jerusalem. You look at verses 15 through 19 with me here in Mark 11. It says, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers, teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. So when it says that Jesus entered the temple area, this means that he was in the large area known as the court of the Gentiles. This area was where non-Jewish people were allowed to come to pray and to praise Almighty God. They had their area. This was a, a walled, marble-paved section to the south side of the temple and was about three football fields long and around 250 yards wide. Big area area for all the Gentiles to come in and worship the Lord. They were not allowed to go any further than that into the temple. The temple was an amazing structure, was built uh, as an elaborate gift to the Jews and as a tribute to Herod's arrogance, <laughs> taking 46 years to finish. It covered an area of about 35 acres. And everything in the temple symbolized something and was used to help communicate God's power as well as His purposes. And when Jesus got to Jerusalem, he went straight to the temple area and he began driving out those who were buying and selling there. And that, that phrase, driving out, it literally means to eject or to force out with violence. <laughs> and he was doing that. It's the same word used of casting out demons. So he was physically removing these items out of the way as he would casting out demons. And while many wanted him to attack the Romans and set up his kingdom, 
Jesus launched a surprise attack against religion. And this wasn't the first time Jesus was angry. In Mark chapter 3, verse 5, when Jesus was going to heal a man's shriveled hand on the Sabbath, right before the, the Pharisees, they were watching, it says, He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. So he was angry at that moment as well, too. And as I mentioned before, this was not the first time he had cleansed the temple. John chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus went into the temple area and he used a whip to wipe out the, the makeshift market that was going on there. Jesus got angry. And when worshipers traveled from a long distance to come to the temple, they had to pay an annual temple tax. But they couldn't use Greek or Roman money because of the graven image that was on that coin. They would then change their money into temple currency so they could pay the tax. And because most wouldn't bring animals with them to the temple, they would have to buy what they needed in Jerusalem. It's kind of like going to the airport <laughs> and you forgot to bring your lunch. <laughs> oh man, I gotta, I gotta buy a meal. And you, and you look at the prices they have at the airports. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But you pay for it anyway because you need it. These people needed those animals to, to make those sacrifices. All, all of this, though, was acceptable, buying the, 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 the needed animals and, and the changing the, the, the coins into the temple currency. What wasn't acceptable... Was, was that the section of the temple that was supposed to be for Gentiles had been turned into a combination kind of stock exchange and, and, and a flea market at the same time. For a long time, these animals were available to purchase on the Mount of Olives, but the temple hierarchy authorized these sales in the temple itself. They said, let's have it down here. It should be better. And for a long time, these animals were available to purchase on the Mount of Olives. But the, again, they, they authorized these sales inside there. And on top of this, the, the exchange rates, they were crazy. They were excessive. And, and a surcharge on the animals was outlandish. They were taking advantage of these people who needed these things to be able to come to the Lord and worship Him. While people could buy doves elsewhere in town, the priests would, would do an inspection of these animals and usually declare them unacceptable. Sorry, you need to buy one of ours. <laughs> and so, and so, and so. And the size of this operation was incredible. According to one historian, a single merchant once offered 3,000 sheep for sale in one day. As people were coming, they needed the animals. The historian Josephus tells us that in one Passover week, almost a quarter of a million lambs were bought, sold, and sacrificed in the temple courts. So think about how loud, how chaotic, and how confusing and smelly uh, this all must have been going on in this temple court. And this is where the nations were to find God through prayer. Good luck. A little distracted. Jesus then, he did three things that demonstrate his zeal for the honor of God. He first, he, he overturned the tables of the money changers. He, the exchange rates could easily consume half a day's wage for the average person. Jesus had no tolerance for this. Turn the tables over. He then, he knocked over the seats of those selling pigeons and also doves. 
And while coins are, 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 are clanging on the marble floors uh, and, and, and feathers start flying everywhere, pigeons or doves were one of the few sacrifices poor people could afford. It's what Joseph and Mary brought with them when they dedicated Jesus in the temple. And then Jesus also, he blocked anyone from carrying merchandise through the temple courts. This sacred structure had become a, a shortcut to the Mount of Olives. Just coming through, sorry, I'm not staying here, I, I, I got to go over there. And so this, it, was, it was not being used as it should have been. And then Jesus again utilized a, a question to focus in on the main truth. He says, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? When the first temple was built, according to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, the glory of God filled it. It was filled with the glory of God. In, the, in this quotation directly from Isaiah 56, verse 7, Jesus is, is appealing to the purpose behind the temple. We get a better understanding if we start with Isaiah chapter 56, verse 6. Now, let me read this to you. It says, And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, to serve Him, to love the name of the Lord, and to worship Him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, verse 7, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is Isaiah. And there are two main points here. Two main points to remember. God's house is for prayer. God's house is for prayer. Prayer must be priority. We have a prayer group on Thursdays that meet, and I think that's I, I believe that's probably the most important meeting of all the week, even over this, because prayer is a time where we come together, meet with God, and bring requests to Him, and we see how God works in situations. We connect with God, and we bring people to the throne of God and their situations and, and see how God works through those prayers. It's incredible. Uh, I'm, I'm so thankful I'm able to be part of that group on Thursday afternoons. And I'm sure you also, too, have a time of prayer as well. That should be priority in your life. If you don't, you need to get it going. It needs to be something you start off your day with. Not only praying for yourself, but praying for others as well, of course. And asking God to use you for, for His glory for, the, for that day. Prayer is, needs to be priority, must be priority, especially here, especially here. <clears throat> and then another main point is that God's heart is for all nations. God's heart is for all nations. The Bible teaches that God's people were to be, be a blessing to the people around them. God made, made provision for Gentiles to come in uh, to, to Him because He is a, a global God who cares for all. This was to be a place of, of missionary work, not a marketplace as they were making it. Jesus is clearing the temple for the Gentiles. In the same way, we must be for the lost people. We must be ready and available for those who are seeking Jesus, not against them. You look around you these days and you're wondering, wow, what is that person doing? Definitely, definitely not, not following Christ and 
and the different things they do. You look on the news, the, the murder that goes on, the crimes that go on that, that are reported, and, and, and you think, well, that got to avoid those kinds of people. Cause, and yeah, you got to be safe and all, but we should be about them. We should be praying for them, letting, bringing them to God and letting God know this person needs you, Lord, and <laughs> they need to know you quickly because <laughs> they're heading down the road, wrong road, real fast. We can't focus only on us, but also we need to focus on others around us. That's why we have this effort going on in these last few months with our church, trying to not only become a healthy church on the inside, where we're doing discipleship, we're doing uh, learning about evangelism, and uh, we're, we're trying to learn more about God's will for our lives as well as we gather together uh, on these uh, Sundays. But we're also looking to try to engage our community and look out to see how we can help in the needs of the others around us in our community. And so we've done those things. We've have, we have other things that we have in line as well, too, that we're looking forward to do. But it's, it's a twofold thing going on, not just focusing on us, not, just, not only focusing on, on others only, but in a, in a twofold effort to be able to be used by God in a lot of ways. But God's heart is for all nations, and we need to keep that in mind as well, too, as we move forward. And Jesus then quotes from Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 11, to show that these men, like thieves, were extorting and stealing and then finding refuge in the temple. He says, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now, a den of robbers was, was, was where thieves went when they wanted to hide and was also a place where robbers hid as they waited for their unsuspecting victims to pass by. Let's see what we can get out of this next guy. Warren Worsby writes, It was a place of praying and paying, but and not praying. 